I got a little sermon I entitled, Walking with God. So before we get started, let's pray. Um, dear Lord, thank you so much just for this place. Uh, thank you for Lifeline Community Church and what it's come to mean to me over these last five months. It's hard to believe it's been that long. And I just thank you for speaking to me, speaking through me. And I thank you for blessing the people in this church and filling them with your spirit and giving them a hunger for your word and a thirst for righteousness, Lord. I, I thank you that you're changing us individually, Lord, as, as we learn to walk with you. And I just pray that on my words that you will be on them, Lord, that your spirit will fill this room, Lord. And these will be your words. These will be you. This will be you speaking to the hearts of people, Lord. As always, please open our eyes, Lord, that we can see. Open our ears, Lord, so we can hear. Open our minds so we can know. And open our hearts, Lord, so we can love you even more as we leave this place, Lord. And uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I thought I'd start out with uh, Psalm verse 90, um, starting in verse 10. It says, um, our days may come to 70 years or 80. And sure enough, average life expectancy now, I think, for a, um, for a guy is like uh, 72. And depending on which website you go to or whatever, and the average um, life for a woman is like 75. So, you know, Moses had it right when he wrote this. He said, you know, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Um, Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. And I guarantee you, as as these high schoolers graduate, graduate, you know, I've been in teaching now for, uh, this is my 17th year, so... You know, I see my little girl already going into third grade. I see my little boy graduating kindergarten. And I see just how fast this life just quickly passes by. And, you know, even me being 38 years old, I'll be 39 in 23 days. That's the only time I'll get to tell the truth about that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's crazy to think, man, just how quickly... Everything passes by. Even as you seniors finished graduating, I guarantee you, you realize, man, that went by so quickly. But then, you know, Moses goes here and says, if we only knew the power of your anger. And we hear a lot in church about God's love and how, you know, unbelievably forgiven he is and he is, all those things. But Moses is like, man, if we realized about your anger... Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. He's like, you know, there's something to like this, this fierce and angry God. And, and we should fear Him. It's maybe why all these psalms over and over, many of them say, uh, the, begin, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we only knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so Moses goes, Lord, we need to understand that our years just aren't that many. Teach us to number our days. Now, he just talked about years. Why did he go to days? Well, I mean, if you live to be 100 years old, I mean, 365.25, if you count the little leap year the way it works, you know, times 100 
is only, you know, like 36,525 days. And so when you say 75 years, to me, that sounds like a long time. When you say 36,000 days, it's like, well, man, yesterday was like that. 36,000 of them, whoa, you know, if you're 15, I think you've lived like about 5,000 days. And it's like, man, I've already lived 5,000 of them. And it's, I've only got, if you teach us to number our days. Cause, and if we will do that, we will gain a heart of wisdom. And I think that's what this is all about. And this is what I want to say to the graduate. If you will realize that every stage in your life Last but a short period of time, you'll start being more wise in the decisions that you make. Okay, now I didn't figure this out for quite a long time, but I was thinking as three points that I wanted to make sure the graduates that I get across to them today. Um, For one, be mindful of the dash. So, and, and I heard a guy a long time ago that made me think about this, and, and he pulled up, like, somebody's um, grave st- st- stone like that. And, and sure enough, you know, it had the year he was born, and then it had the dash, and it had the year that he died. And, you know, every time I think about the dash, for some reason, I think about my, my, gra- my granny, my daddy's mom, and uh, I kind of took a little detour this morning to go by and, and sit and look at look at her grave. You know, she died in her 50s. She died in 1991. Um, and I just kind of sat there, and, and I thought about her dash. And, you know, to me, I mean, she was my age when I came into the world. So she was a grandma to me at like 38 years old. And for the, the dash, for me, I remember staying over there um, a, a lot, and, you know, I remember she would do things like uh, she would make just these massive breakfasts. And, like, I'm talking, you know, the biscuits and gravy and bacon. I mean, she had just anything that you could ever want. And me, you know, I'd be like, well, I don't want any of this. I want grits, you know. And my dad, he would be a good dad, and he'd be like, you know, eat it or starve. He wasn't that bad. I'm just kidding. Uh, but he's right there, you know, so... Um, he, he wasn't, he wasn't like that, but, uh, he's like, you know, come on, make him eat something. This is all good stuff, you know, but she's like, no, no, I'll make him that. And, and you know, I'm sitting here like thinking, yeah, daddy, I won, you know, ha, ah. and she, but she would go over there and countless times she would do that. And, you know, I would say, you know, Hey, let's go play ball. Let's go do this. Buy me this, buy me that. And she did all of that. I mean, she loved me and that's what I remember about her dash, and I remember that this that she smoked herself to death. Uh, I remember being Caroline's age and just saying, "Granny, you know, I'd go to the doctor with her, and they would say over and over, you 'You've got to quit smoking, or your days are numbered.' You know, did she know this verse? You know, teach me to number my days. You know, because I don't know. I mean, if that was." 10 years old, I don't know, she, I mean, she died like about five years, so, you know, I don't know, she had about 1,500 more days or something from when I started begging her to quit smoking, but she kept on, she kept off, and sure enough, in 1991, you know, she, the, the last number was put on there, you know, I think she was 50-something years old, and, uh, you know, I miss her, but I think about her 
dash. That's what I remember about her. And I know there's more to it in that first 38 years that I don't know about, but that's what I remember. And, uh, you know, my mind is 1975 dash. I don't know when it's going to end. But I know that there have been things that have happened in my life that I know is God. And I think about some of the funerals I've been to over the, the, the years when their dash is God-filled, like Sam Bass, who I think this auditorium's named after. He was my principal at Tomasi Salem. He was probably the first Christian I knew that acted the same in church as he did in my high school. You know, there was no change. He didn't come to church and put on some sort of God front. He always had the God front. And I appreciated that about him. And when I went to his funeral, it was just massive people filled to the brim everywhere. And then I think about people whose dash has been defined by drugs, who's been defined by breaking the law, who's been defined. And I remember going to a funeral where somebody had asked me to come, and I just remember there being maybe 40 people there, a whole family down there next to the casket, nobody walking by, nobody. And, uh, you know, I even remember seeing somebody, like, post something awful on, on Facebook or something, like, well, you know, there goes my... You know, there goes my dealer or something. Like, I'm going to have to find somebody else. I'm like, wow. I mean, man, that's not a dash right there that I want to live. I want to live the godly dash. I want to touch other people's lives. I want to be filled with God so that, you know, I'm constantly pouring into other people. And they remember that I had a part in building their spiritual walk. I want my dash to be significant. Be mindful of the dash. And I wanted to, when I thought about it, of all the people in the Bible, I don't know why I went here, but this is kind of stuff that you would pass right over in the Bible. But I, when I think about the dash in the Bible, I think about Genesis chapter 5 because it just defines, it just describes a whole bunch of people. Some that you don't know about, some that you do. Uh, but the guy that I want to focus in on is a guy named Enoch. And I don't know if you know how aware you are of him, but let's just read through Genesis chapter 5, 1 through 21. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. Um, After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived a total of 930 years, and then he died. We know about Adam's dash. We know what he did. Um, You know, we know how he was created and how he sinned and we know the deal with Cain and Abel. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when we think about his sons, I think Cain and Abel. I don't think about a guy named Seth that came afterwards. And so let's go to the next one. When Seth had lived 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. After he became the father of Enosh, Seth, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years and then he died. 
And, you know, one of the reasons I'm sitting here thinking all these, man, these guys lived so long. Why? You know, well, for one, you know, sin hadn't really taken its toll, you know, on them like it has, like it has us, you know. And he even says man's day is not going to be more than 120 years. Um, but you also kind of have to think back um, that as they were getting older, God was, it, right before this it says they were, that men began to call on the name of the Lord. So they, they began to worship the Lord. And so God, to me, I believe he's given them time. Just like it's been 2,000 years since John wrote the last verse of the Bible. And he says, behold, I'm coming quickly. I'm like, okay, Lord, quickly. You know, it's been about 1,900 and something years. And you say quickly. Why? Why the, why the delay? Why the wait? He's given us time. He's given us time to repent. He, he knows that, that you've got people at work that just need to be invited here. He knows you've got friends that just need to be told your story and how God changed your life. He knows that there's people that, that the harvest is plentiful, but the, the workers are few, and there's nobody out there going to tell these people. He's given them time. And I think that's what he's doing here. They're living so old because, man, I wish they would just begin to call on my name. I would save them from this sin and destruction. They're just going to destroy themselves. But he gives them time. He is a patient God. So when Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. After he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had another sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived a total of 912 years. And keep these words in mind. And then he died. Okay, we're seeing the beginning, the dash, and the end. We don't know about these guys' dash, though. Keep going. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. After he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years. And I had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived a total of 905 years. And then he died. When Canaan lived 70, he became the father of Mahalalel. After he became the father of Mahalalel, Canaan lived 840 and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Canaan lived a total of 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. Mahalalel lived 830 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, lived 895 years, and then he died. And this keeps on going. Jared, 162 years. Uh, and he became the father of Enoch. Now, this is the guy I want to focus in on. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years. And then he died. Now, check this one out. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Oh, man, I didn't, I didn't tell you to keep going, did I? Um, I stopped it right there. Well, that's all right. Genesis, I know where that is in my Bible, okay? It's in the very first one. That's my fault. Um, but in, in Genesis 5, verse 21, uh, it says, Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. It does not say, and then he died. It specifically says, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God took him away. 
And one of the cool things is that the book of Hebrews talks about Enoch. It kind of fills in the dash for us. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Because for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And that's, I mean, what else can we do, guys, but live a life that pleases God? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. You do have to believe, yes, there is a God out there. But that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I love how they distinguish right there that, yes, yes, to come to God, you do have to believe in him. And the majority of America will say, yes, I believe in God. But who gets the rewards out of this life? He rewards those who earnestly seek him, who go after him, who live, who, who spend time with him, who read this word, and who do what this word says. Because, one, my first point was be mindful of the dash. My second point is do the word. Do the word. And James chapter 1 verse 22 makes this very, very clear. Do not merely listen to the words and, do, and so deceive yourselves. That if all you do is hear preachers or all you do is come to church and you think your church attendance makes you right with God, it is a good step in the right direction. You probably ain't walking in the building you're probably not walking in the building. My mom don't like when I say ain't. But you're probably not walking in the building unless you believe in God. But the Bible says demons believe in God. And that does them no good. So don't merely listen to the word. Just come in the building and think you're good to go because you go to church every once in a while or because you go to church every Sunday or every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night as I used to do it at Salem Baptist. Don't deceive yourselves by thinking you're good to go by just showing up to church. Do what the Word says. Do the Word. If you know something is wrong in your heart, and don't do it. That's conviction. That's God convicting you. So, I can't tell you any more plainly, do what it says. Because I thought about it like this. I was having a conversation with Caleb, our new guitar player over here today. And because uh, here's the thing. I know, because I mean, I'm about to go to the beach next week, so I won't be here next week. But, but, you know, I was trying to lose, you know, all that like Thanksgiving and Christmas and Halloween weight, you know. And, and here's what I know. I know that if I burn more calories than I consume, I'll lose weight. Now, does that knowledge make me skinny? No, not in one bit does that help me just knowing that. I have got to actually do it. So when I've eaten well all day, you know, and I'm by a Carolina pack of 
cookies or something. Man, I got to stay away from those things right before I go to bed. But all too often, I pour in 300 calories of milk and get 10 of those cookies. And man, I just, I eat them all, you know? And that's like three-fourths of my calories right there for the day. You know, you can't do that and lose weight. And Krispy Kreme's even worse, man. If I get them like right off of that conveyor belt, I can eat like six in like six bites. It's crazy. And that's like 1,200 calories. 60% of your calories. Bam, right there, you know. Not even counting the milk that you bought to go with it. Knowing that you got to burn more calories than you consume does not help me out. But doing that does. My dash, in 23 days, I will have lived 39 years. And, but 23 years ago, at 16 years old, I became a Christian. I was saved. Now, the bad part is, guys, up until this point, I had really done nothing wrong, really, up until I was 16. I wasn't really a bad kid. Uh, you know, I kind of had perfect attendance in school. I was respectful to my parents. I kind of had good grades. I didn't really do, you know, I didn't really have any kind of past that other than, you know, that I would say, yeah, I, I need to be forgiven for that or anything. But I asked him into my heart. And I, I, I said, yes, you know, Lord, save me. That knowledge actually did me no good for the next five years because I would, I would do things that... I, I, looking back now, I can't believe that I did. I didn't do what I actually knew to do, you know? I mean, I, I'd never taken a drink. I took a drink after I got, I got saved, you know? I, I, that's when I kind of started that. I gave in to the peer pressure kind of just like everybody else. I didn't really cuss up until then, but I started hanging around with the wrong people. I started cussing, filling in, just, just talking, you know, just like them. You know, I, it's, it's, I was pure, you know, sexually. Um, but when I got saved, it wouldn't, wouldn't stay that way, you know, through none of this stuff. I didn't do the things that I knew God wanted me to do. But 18 years ago, as a 21-year-old, I actually began to walk with God. I didn't like where my, the heartbreak that came along with my sinful relationships, I didn't like... Just the direction that I was heading. Wide is the great and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many people are going down that route and I was joining them right along with them. But narrow is the gate and straight is the way that leads to life and very few people find it. And as a 21-year-old, about five years after I got saved, I said, I want to exit. And I, I, I got rid of some friendships. I got rid of a girlfriend um, I stopped hanging around the wrong crowd. I stopped going to, to, to bars and, you know, just stuff. I'd stopped all of that stuff. I said, I'm not going to do this. I said, Lord, I want to walk with you. And that's where that song, you know, came in because, you know, I'm like, Lord, here we are. You know, I'm going I'm to I'm start listening to your word. I want to start listening to things you want me to do. And that song by the Big Tent Revival just filled my soul. And I just knew that listening to that song was my first step in a walk with God. Now, I got another little side story here about my dash. When I was 16, of course, I got saved, but I also got a job. Got a job at Kiwi Key, the golf course. I was a cart boy. So, you know, when they brought in, I sprayed the grass off and, you know, wiped them down and 
put new scorecards on them. I mean, it was really cool, really easy job. I did it for like seven years, or I did it uh, all the way till I got my teaching job. But I remember when I went there, there was just this beautiful tree that caught my attention. Um, so, you know, I'm like, what kind of tree is that? And the guy told me his name was Brady. He said, um, he said that's a Japanese maple, you know. And I said, man, that's just the most beautiful tree. And, uh, you know, I, I looked at the seeds, and here's a picture of the seed um, that, that I saw on that, that tree. And so I took some soil, and I took a little cup, and I, uh, I planted one of these seeds. And, you know, it didn't take long for it to start sprouting up. And um, I had done that. Right after I got saved. And, and a Sunday school teacher told us that the, the parable of the sower, about how seeds, uh, you know, some land on stony ground, you know, and they grow a little bit and kind of burn away. And some don't even make it in the ground. The birds just kind of eat, eat the seed. But it says some grow to, to, to produce 30 times, 60 times, 100 times the amount. And I had just heard that. And I saw my, my, my Japanese maple... Uh, kind of just starting to sprout. And I don't know why I did that. I don't know what prompted me. I mean, I know it was God. But I knelt down next to my little plant. And I said, Lord, will you let this be my seed? Will you let this tree represent my life? And as I get older, will you let me just kind of watch it grow? And it'll be kind of proportional into my growth with you, my spiritual growth. I just, I just want it to be a living picture. Well, remember, for five years, I said I didn't do the Word. But it grew, barely, you know. And I remember coming home one day from college. um, And it might have been a little bit after college. I don't really remember my timeline real well on this. But I just remember looking at my tree, and it looked dead. Now, to this day, I don't know if it was just dormant in the fall or whatever, but to me, it was dead. I kind of like broke a little limb and it's like just felt really brittle. And I'm like, I just remembered my prayer from 16 years that this tree represents my life. And it freaked me out because my tree was dead. And I'm like, does that mean I'm spiritually dead? Does that mean I'm on my way back to hell? God, I'm sorry. I mean, I started freaking out right in the yard, right next to my little tree and praying like crazy. Now, the thing is, I didn't do anything with that tree. I just kind of went back to school. And um, I didn't realize that my mom had taken that tree and she, she put new soil and new, you know, kind of fertilizer in there and kind of water and really nurtured this tree. And at the same time, I'm starting to read my Bible. I say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to read this thing. I mean, my plan was to read it in a year. I failed. I read it in 15 months. But every time that I've read a... Of chapter, I mean, I've checked it off right here, and uh, sometimes I'd go to the really small books, you know, and uh, just read Jude, you know, so I could make a check, because man, 50 chapters in Genesis, that took forever, you know, and then in 10 minutes, I can check off Jude, you know, so I kind of bounced around, you know, until I read the whole thing, but I remember coming home in the, in the spring, and I went out, and I looked at my tree, and sure enough, there were these little bitty green buds on the outside. And I saw the life. And that's probably one of the first times I felt God just a little bit saying, Wow, Lord, you've, you've, it's going to be all right. You've, you've put life back into this, this tree. And sure enough, when I got into the Word, I started feeling like that tree. 
You know, there's a little green in me now. There's a little life in me. It wasn't what it should have been, but it was life. And so I tried to get a picture of it um, this year, um, and I had it, but I couldn't get it to load up for some reason. But this is a picture of my tree uh, that sits at my parents' house that, uh, that I took a couple of years ago in the fall. Now, the cool thing is, is that tree, man, compared to the one at Kiwi, is like nothing. It's still got a long way to go. But that tree sits right there, and you can kind of see like a little porch ring uh, right there, a little, little swing, and my dad's kind of built an arbor over it and everything. And probably my favorite spot in the world is to go sit right in that chair and just kind of just think about God. And that tree just shades me. And I'm like, this is just crazy that this tree that I prayed for is shading me. And yet the life that he has produced in me is protecting me from the heat of the world and just the pleasures of this life. And, and I love him. And, and I realize that I got, I got longer to go. It's not fully grown. It's not fully matured. And it's going to grow and it's going to get bigger. And, you know, hopefully over the next 70 uh, if I make it to 70 or 80 years, that it just continues to grow in me. So one of the things I want to tell you guys is do the Word. And if the band wants to go ahead and kind of start making their way back up here, I, always, uh, I, th- I thought this was going to be short. I never can do short. So uh, anyway, um, number three, I do want you to understand that walking with God does not mean that you do everything right. You know, how many of you got saved and never sinned again? Ever. Not one time. Like, I got saved, and man, I've never done anything wrong since then. You know, nobody. You are going... To, to make bad choices. Now, I don't, like the, I don't like to hear people say, well, I made a mistake. A mistake is not carrying the one when you're adding 59 and 2 and getting 51. That's a, that's a mistake. But, you know, we're talking about choices that you make. I've made plenty of bad choices. I knew right and wrong, and then I engaged in sinful activity And when the consequences came, I don't get to say, oh, well, I made a mistake. No, I sinned. I made a bad choice, and I'm receiving the consequences for this. Lord, will you forgive me? I never want to make that mistake again. I want to turn from that sin with your help and never repeat that again. I'm not going to keep making mistakes, you know, because they're not mistakes. They're, they're choices. Yes, you can make mistakes in life, but that's not sinful. You make choices. And what I want to teach you today is that you, that these changes, this changes things drastically when you live this way, when you're, when you're mindful that your life is, is short, when you're, um, I think in one verse, um, James chapter 4, it even says, what is your life? You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And I still can't even like spray my, my glasses, you know, and go, and just watch it fall. And I'm like, man, that's what the Bible calls my life. 
Every time I just clean my glasses, I think that. And I think about the dash. And maybe I go to work today and I don't feel like going to work. It's my favorite thing to ask, to tell the kids. They'll come in and say, well, I don't feel like working it out. I'm like, and you think I do? You think I feel this? You know, like, we, we're just tired of doing this. I'm like, well, I'm tired of having to try to teach kids that don't want to be taught. Think about it. It's hard. But we make choices. And you go in there and you, even though you, may, you, don't, you don't get to just show up to work. I don't get to just show up to work. i got to work when I'm there like I'm working for the Lord, which means I don't get to have a bad attitude, which means I don't get to whine, which means I have to treat you better than you deserve to be treated. I don't get to mindlessly take my wife and kids for granted and just say, well, you know, they're... They're there and I can go off and do what I want and they'll be okay. No, i got to make, it, make a point to date my wife and to love her because that's what the Bible says is love your wife like Christ loves the church. And like, well, you set the standard up there, but I'm going to try. You know, I, can't, I don't get to just let my kids raise themselves on video games and TV. No, i got to take them out. i got to spend time with them. i got to pour into them. i got to read the Jesus Storybook Bible with them, and I've got to have conversations with them, and i got to pray for them. They're not going to grow up to have their own Japanese maple on accident. They're gonna, it's going to be because of my purposeful living in the dash. It's going to come because I do the word. And it's not going to come because I do everything right, but when I do wrong, I let them know. Yes, I've been aggravated and I've gotten on to, to Caroline, you know, too hard. And I know that I went overboard. And what do I say, Caroline? I'm I mean, and, and you know, I mean, that's not cool to go now, kneel down next to a four or five year old and, and say, you know, man, daddy was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And she always says, <laughs> Yes. She says, Yes, I forgive you. But that's another thing. I don't get to allow my emotions to take over when somebody makes me mad. I have to live by this word and treat people better than they deserve to be treated. Is that fun? No. But who does God reward? People that do the word and the people that diligently seek Him. I just want to end with one more verse. Guys, y'all can set up and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be ready to play. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves. And I do believe this is the key to, to happiness. It's, you know, to, in, a, in a marriage, outserve one another. Don't, don't compete for what you can get me or what you can do for me. I mean, you know, I already know my wife wins. She does way more uh, in, our, in our home. But that don't mean that I can't serve her. That doesn't mean that I can't get up in the morning and put the dishes up or load the dishwasher or do something just to help her out a little bit during the day. That's how I show love to them. I got to value my kids, you know, more than I value myself. And if I will show that throughout time, throughout my dash, if people realize that you care about them more than you care about yourself, man, your dash 
is going to be full of God and it's going to be full of life and it's going to be full of testimony after testimony where people said, that person made a difference in my life. Thank you, guys.